What's up, y'all? A quick update for this next episode. So this is a two-part episode. Um, Elliot and I talked a lot, so I didn't want to. I didn't want to give you one two-hour episode, one hour and forty-five minute. So the first episode is going to be an hour, and then I'll drop the second part next week. All right, so welcome back to the podcast. Um, as you know, Dancing Daily, where I interview different Atlanta dancers, so you guys can, can see their experiences, hear about them, and kind of learn more about everybody. Uh, very excited for the guest I have today. Elliot has been, you know, it's been both ways. Like I've been excited to have you on the podcast. You've been excited to be on the podcast. He just told me he's listened to all the other episodes, which means a lot. Um, Elliot, welcome to the podcast, man. I appreciate you being here. Dude, thank you for having me, man. Appreciate it. So let's jump right in, bro. I don't really, you know, I know we've talked about dance a lot. Um, but I don't really know your, your origin story, and I don't know how many people do outside of your friend group. So, you know, tell me like, where you're from, how you got into dancing, let's just, let's just start from the beginning. Okay, so I was born, okay, we don't need to talk about where I was born, but <laughs> essentially I was born in Ohio, and then I moved to North Carolina when I was five. Lived there all my life, um, didn't start dancing till college, so okay, pretty late bloomer. Um, so how got interested in dance, basically, I started watching, I guess, YouTube videos, obviously. Yeah. I think Brian Poo's post, Ian, Ian Eastwood, uh, Lau Baniga, yeah. that era, yeah. I was watching YouTube videos of dancers, but I didn't really, oh, Sean Everisto was another one of them. Didn't really know how to dance, obviously, yeah. and I didn't have <laughs> any classes to do. So, you know, YouTube, how to do a wave, how to do the Dougie. <laughs> Couldn't really do that shit. So it was uh, one of those things where I would do it in my bedroom, in the mirror yeah. of the bathroom, and then never show it outside. Yeah. Tried to learn how to reject, <laughs> stuff like that. You didn't know how to reject? I did learn it. Okay. That's one of the all few right, things right. I could do. But um, that's kind of where my interest started. And then obviously ABDC was a big part of it. Yeah. And then there's this Korean K-pop artist named Taeyang. Mm -hmm. And he had this music video where I didn't know who the dancers were when I first watched it. But years later, after I started dancing, I learned who they were. And it was actually La Baniga and Sean Evaristo. Oh, who in they the video? in the video and they choreographed it. Yeah. So I was like, yo. Because obviously, I knew them separate to Taeyang, that yeah. artist. But later on, I found out that they did it. And I was like, I rewatched it. And I saw... Oh, that is them. Oh, that's them. Yeah. yeah. And it was really cool. Because uh, like I said, those... That music video specifically probably was one of the videos that really inspired me to want to dance. Really? Okay. Yeah. So what was it about the video that is Bro, it was just like, I feel like a lot of music videos at the time, other than like, I, I guess Usher, Chris Brown, not a lot of dancing in the music mm -hmm. video, right? a lot of just visuals and stuff, but there was, it was literally the artist and two dancers. The whole time they're dancing. That's the whole music video. Oh, okay. They're doing choreo the whole time. Super fly. They wore like all black outfits and then they did this transition and it turned all white. Yeah. And I was like, oh shit. I need to do that. Yeah. Okay. And there was just a lot of like sauce to it. It was like yeah. steezy. And I was like, okay. whoa. Because you know like La Baniga's style, very yeah. like sauce. And then Sean Everest is super clean and whatever. So that combination of their style was really crazy to watch. Mm -hmm. So that I think just... The choreography itself and then the ability of the dancers to dance it so smoothly. Okay. That made me like, oh, I want to learn that. So how long were you dancing in your, in your bathroom, in your bedroom, like by yourself before you 
got that confidence to did you join a team in college did you just yeah so that's the thing i didn't even like i said i <laughs> i'd spend like a a day or two and then i'll give up because i couldn't do it yeah you know so going back i did music all my life when i was younger i think my the first thing i got into was music my mom put me into violin and then i ended up teaching myself like seven or not teaching i learned a couple of instruments i took trumpet lessons for a little bit um but i taught, self-taught myself guitar piano took a little bit of drum lessons and then i learned a bunch of other instruments wow okay. so i could probably play about 11 instruments right now but wow that's well? where it's uh i would say five well so still that's violin impressive. guitar trumpet drum and piano that's right? still impressive okay but that's where my origin started of, I guess, everything relating to dance. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I started playing basketball in elementary school, like fifth grade. Yeah. I ended up playing for my school, playing like competitively all over the state and stuff like that. And I was getting to that point where I was pretty good and I wanted to play college basketball. Yeah. So then uh, high school, I was playing at local tournaments and stuff. Got kind of scouted, quote unquote, to like a D3. Was hey, it scouted? Scouted, bro. D one, obviously, or D two, but college hoops is, is nothing. It was at. just cool to have the opportunity. So, I, the thing is, I didn't want to go to a D three school. Like, I wanted to go to D one college for education in general. Yeah, but I wanted to play basketball. So, you know, it was cool to have that opportunity. But when I got to college, I went to NC State. Okay. Um, John Wall was actually I think the same class as me yeah. when I was a freshman. Like Kentucky, right? Yeah, he was there, but he actually went to NC State first because he's oh. from NC. Yeah, I knew he's that. From I did not know that. Okay. So he was at NC for like a year before he think transferred over. Okay. But I remember playing like open runs with him. Yeah, I was so scared. Oh, that's crazy. <laughs> Every time he got the ball, I ran away. Yeah. <laughs> like he was on the other team. But anyway, besides the point. Uh, basketball tryouts at my college were the same day as dance auditions mm. and I was just in the studio I was just looking around and some girl came up to me and was like hey are you, do you want to dance or are you a dancer I'm like no I don't know how to dance she's like do you want to learn how to dance I'm like yeah and she's like you should come to the audition I, and then she left I didn't hear of her at all after that but she was recruiting so I went mm. to the audition for some reason, even though I knew I was more comfortable with basketball, yeah, I decided that I wanted to try out something new. Yeah, something just pulled me to go to the dance audition. Did not know how to dance. Did not never learn choreography in my life. So I did the audition. The first day is this like freshman year of college? Freshman year of college. So I was nineteen. We learned a choreo, and we auditioned the same day. So like you learn the piece, yeah, you audition it right away, kind of like a class, right? So when we did it. We did it without mirrors, and I—they wow. really threw you in the fire. Lost, bro. Yeah. yeah. So after I did it, they were like, I, I stopped like after two way content, and then the people were saying, "Hey, if you mess up, just keep dancing, keep moving, freestyle." Yeah. I didn't know what a freestyle like, what does that was. Mean? <laughs> so they just said, "Yeah, keep moving." So then we did a second try. I got maybe one more account in, more, and then I stopped dancing again. Yeah. <laughs> and then they said, "Thank you." So at that point. I was like, okay, my dance career is over. <laughs> I, it's not going anywhere. And then they were going to send emails about callbacks the second day because they do another day. They gave me a callback. I'm like, bro, what? there's no way. Y'all sent me the, I sent the wrong yeah, email. It's the yeah. wrong person or whatever. And I realized at the time, I think maybe a little bit after, that it was because there were not enough guys. 
I think it was a very yes, very female heavy team, so they wanted more male presence. So yeah. I think they were like, "Oh, he's new, but we need him." You know, he has potential, quote unquote. But he just, they just let anyone through, basically yeah. first round. I would say I did a little bit better than the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how, but they had a freestyle section at the very end. I didn't know what I was doing, but I was just moving. Yeah. I was just throwing my body, throwing like waves that I couldn't do, yeah. and then. I went home, I uh, got a call about joining the team. So that's how it started. I joined the dance team just because they needed guys. They needed guys. Okay. I felt like I definitely did deserve it, but I worked the hardest because I knew that I was the weakest link. I yeah. was the only person when I joined that didn't have any dance experience. Like everyone else had had five, 10, 15 years of dance experience like from studios. And I was just that one guy. I was like, Dang. I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm here, so. Okay. And so, how were you on the team like all four years of college? Yes. Did was, you do like competition? Like, how serious was this team? Okay, so yeah, uh, North Carolina's dance scene was very late as well. So I think when I joined, you said it was late. Yeah. What do you mean by that? So I think they had had dance teams uh, throughout North Carolina at some of the big universities, but there was no dance workshop type thing. There weren't open classes for adults and we didn't have competitions or showcases Mm -hmm. it was very much you perform at your own school okay maybe a guest uh team would perform but no team had a showcase yet so it wasn't very communal until i think around the time i joined or maybe a year before yeah so uh from when i joined though i think it kind of started to ramp up so there was a lot more performances we had like the semesterly ones that were like big showcases at our school but then we started to have showcases. I think we started it a few years after I joined the team, but there were other teams within North Carolina that had dance showcases and they would invite us as a guest. Mm-hmm. So we started performing a lot more. Um, a couple competitions, we went to Prelude. Okay. We had Prelude Carolinas at one point for a couple years. So we did that. And then there's this really big showcase in Virginia called Coalescence. And it wasn't a competition, but it was a showcase where all DMV North Carolina, like neighboring, even up to I think New York, people would come down and have this like showcase. Okay. So that's kind of what we did as a dance team. Um, practices two, three times a week. Uh, I mean, that's kind of it. But obviously, because I was so new, I mean, I worked. Like I'm not exaggerating. You can ask people that know me from back then. I would dance six to eight hours a day, every single day for four years straight. Like for all of undergrad. Wait, so outside, so okay, so you have the, your team was meeting two, three times a week. Yes, for so two hours. What were you doing outside of that? Were Bro, you doing your choreo? Were you no, this, trying to do YouTube videos? Like, what this was, is what's crazy. I would learn, so we would have, uh, within a semester, I think we have a, one set, right? Okay. And that set is about six pieces, but we learn one, maybe one each practice. Okay. And then after we learn all of them, we audition them and then we start cleaning and we set it. But I would learn one piece or two pieces a week and I'd practice those two pieces for six hours straight. I would play the music and just run it over and over and over and over over again. I still looked like booty. Damn, for how long? For years. You said for years? I think I still looked booty for years. Like it it took me a decent amount of time. Was this like a... Well, I didn't run the same piece for years, but I've run the same pieces for... At least six months. But like, is this our, is this, 
in the sense of like we're our own biggest critic like you thought no, you li- or you, no. like, you really I started from the bottom oh damn like I think the only thing I had going for me when I started was that the fact that you were the only guy <laughs> well I had music background right yeah. so I always heard what they were hitting you I just I, couldn't I, my do musicality it, was yeah. there my physical ability to move I was super stiff I didn't have like awareness of my limbs or my body so mm-hmm. i couldn't hit any extensions my pathways were off i always looked down like because i never performed before yeah so it was a lot of technical aspects that i didn't have but i did have my ear and yeah. then i guess footwork wise it was a little bit easier for me like i didn't stumble over i didn't have two left feet yeah because of basketball so i had yeah. so much understanding my weight mm-hmm. but it took me i would say at least a year and a half to two years until I really felt like I started to understand my movement. But until that point, I was doing the same pieces. And then we had like one dance workshop a, uh, a month and each workshop had three classes. And there's this group called Kodachrome. And I think EC talked about Kodachrome. Oh, and it was, uh, yeah, cause we, uh, EC is from Virginia. Uh, he came to NC. If you heard the last podcast, you better listen to it. <laughs> but, um, yeah, we're both from like the similar community, North Carolina, Virginia. Like we're basically like sisters. Yeah. Um, but there's this group called Kodachrome organization and they, their whole motto was exposed dance and they hosted workshops at a bunch of different colleges and we would travel three hours, two hours to these colleges to basically have these dance workshops and then you'd party the next day. Yeah. Just like oh, that kind yeah, of yeah. 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 So that's kind of the one thing a month we had. So I'd learn three pieces there and I would take those three pieces home. And then you just run Practice that run. on top of the two pieces I learned every day for six hours a day. Weekends, eight to ten. Weekdays, so you six. really, okay, so at this point, clearly there's a passion, right? Like you don't dance for yeah. six, eight hours just to get, like you clearly enjoy it. So when did it, when did you really start to see that growth where you were mm. at that level of your, of your, you know, classmates, teammates? And then I feel like you had to pass at some point. Like, I feel like even though, even if they've had more years, like there's no way they're dancing as much as you will. So that like, is true. When did you start to realize that when the other people start to realize like, yo, Elliot, like, you, you got dumb cold. Mm-hmm. So I think like, like I said, the beginning, it took a lot of, I guess, initial, uh, push in order for me to get to that point. I think it really was after about a year and year and a few months, I guess. Mm-hmm. So I think that's when I started to slowly start to get there. But the crazy thing is, after a year, I was a sophomore, right? Yeah. I would see freshmen come in that were 10 times better than me, and I would be so lost. I'd be like, wow, these, some of these kids have never danced before, or they maybe did like covers of dances back then but they were already better than me and i was working so hard every day yeah um so i was very like i was very not necessarily discouraged but more so kind of punched back down to kind of realizing where i really was at yeah i was like okay i've danced it for a year and some months um and i wasn't still wasn't um, any means good but i was slowly getting better uh, I didn't really feel like I made that actual growth until maybe two and a, two years and a couple months after I did my first LA trip. That's when I really like realized, okay, like I've grown a lot since I started. Yeah. Then another benchmark is three years. 
So it's like every year, every basically, year you see the growth. I would kind of have that reflection moment or something would happen where I'd realize, okay, I have grown a little bit. Yeah. But three years is when I, I would say I really started to click into everything. Okay. Like including like, basically my LA trip was my two year and a couple months in. Mm -hmm. That's when I learned how important the groove was. Because until then, it was a lot of just choreo. But I went to LA, I took a grooves class. And I remember it was like basic stuff, right? They would just do basic grooves for two eight counts. And you just follow the leader. Yeah. And then they would switch to another one. I would literally get the groove, the last two eight count, two counts of the eight counts. And I'd be like, okay, I got the groove. And they would switch. And I'd be like, oh my gosh, another I one? I just got it, yeah. A new groove? Yeah. So that kind of into perspective how much I didn't understand my body and grooving yeah because grooving looks so easy it really does they make it look not. so simple it's so much harder than moving your hands yeah right? placements of your hands it's like some internal understanding that you might how do you do this dude it's so different because with the groove it's it's a feeling right mm -hmm. with any other movement like hand placement and you taught that it's just yeah moving and doing it but a groove is a feeling yeah. so it's like if you don't understand that feeling, you're not gonna be able to do the group. Yeah. So. I remember when I first started watching dance videos, I would see, you would see the movements that they're taught. I mean, mm -hmm. some of it would be fast and crazy, and I would, I would see, I'm like, okay, like I can, anybody can learn that. Like, yeah. okay, move your arm like this, and then, and then, like you said, it would come to like, okay, now do a body roll, and I'm like, wait, <laughs> whoa, what, what is that? I can't physically do that. Yeah. Okay, so at this point, okay, year three is when you really started to make things click. At this point, had you started thinking about dancing professionally? Mm. Like when I'm, did it happen? Like when you joined the team, you're like, okay, maybe I can get to a point. Like when did thoughts of doing this professionally so come point. to you? So I think the first thing to note is that a lot of people, this could be a note to anybody listening as well. A lot of people get discouraged when they see somebody younger than them or yeah. someone that's way ahead of I've them, been there. right? Yeah. It's, it's very natural. It's human nature to feel that way. But, and compare yourself, but I think one thing that I kind of grew up on is that not to compare myself. Um, my mom and dad, they would sometimes compare me to, you know, other people, but it was also always academically. Mm -hmm. um, it's just like a cultural thing. But I feel like my mom also told me growing up to always compare myself to myself. Yeah. Try not to allow other people to affect what I think about myself, right? Yeah. So I think for me, what was the question again? I forgot the, I just lost my chance of thought. Um, I was asking when you started getting thoughts of being professional. Oh, okay, yeah. So when I first started, I remember my first workshop I went to, uh, the Kodokom one. Do you know who Robert Green is? I do not. He's this guy from North Carolina. He blew up uh, when he went to LA, but before then, he was still one of the most amazing dancers I've ever seen. He did Monsters Cast 2013, I think, which is okay. when I started dancing. He did Taylor Swift's first tour, like world tour. Yeah. Um, he actually blew up from a video. He called his mom on the phone and he FaceTimed her or called her and recorded it. And it blew up because it was such like an emotional conversation yeah. they had. But Robert Green, I saw him at my first workshop. D-Ray actually from Groove yeah. was at that first workshop. I always talk about it. He was at my first ever dance workshop. He taught at it. That's really... Robert Green didn't teach at it, but he was dancing at it. Yeah. But okay. I remember seeing Robert and he was so good. Like he stood out in front of everyone in the whole workshop. Mm -hmm. 
when I saw him, the first thought I had was, one day I want to be that good. Yeah. I never said, oh my gosh, he's so good, I should quit. Or because I saw everyone was better than me, mm -hmm. I didn't feel discouraged. That, it inspired me to want to be better. Yeah. I, and that's the one thing I realized that, like hindsight, that really helped me get through everything is that I never had that mindset of being discouraged. Mm -hmm. I always felt that if I saw somebody that was amazing or great, I wanted to be at that level. I wanted to be, you know, as good as I could be. But that, those people inspired me more than discouraged me, if that makes sense. That's good. Yeah. I mean, that's the necessary mindset to have. Yeah. So I think that's kind of where that started. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. So do you remember, because now you've done, I don't know how many gigs. Mm -hmm. Like, do you remember your first one? Yeah. Uh, also, I realized I didn't answer the, the actual question, which was the one about when professional. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It just started with that. Uh, Robert was one of the first people I knew that went to become a professional. But I didn't know that it was a, a career that could be possible. I thought it was very, oh, you have to already be in it at the time. Because mm -hmm. I only knew a few people, which were all the people on YouTube or whatever. But I think after seeing Robert and a couple more people from our community, uh, decide to pursue it. Uh, it took me a couple of years. I think I had the interest about a year in, but I was too scared to admit it yeah. because I felt like everyone would laugh at me if I said I wanted to do it. Yeah. So I was so new and I was so bad. But I had the, the feeling of, I don't want to do anything else other than dancing. Okay, as soon as it started, I had this connection with it and this passion, obviously. But I think about two years in after my LA trip, that's when I was okay with admitting it like publicly so then from that moment on if people ask me if i want to pursue it i would say yes but before then i would just deny it dude but, that's interesting because i remember i took a private with beth mm -hmm. um i don't even know a while ago and i remember she was asking me why and i had been dancing like maybe like a year or two mm -hmm. but this is when i just started kind of dancing at excel taking those harder classes mm -hmm. and she asked me why and i remember when we were on the phone i was like kind of i didn't want to admit i was like oh like maybe to do a professional dance. like i didn't want to like fully commit mm -hmm. i was like oh like maybe if i get good enough and she was like oh so you want to be a professional dancer mm -hmm. and i was like yeah so i mean same way like i felt it was too early for me to mm. to say that that's actually what i wanted to do so i think it's interesting how early on everybody's kind of yeah, has that, that, that fear yeah and hesitancy to to say that all right but so you got you got comfortable with admitting that to yourself um did that change anything in terms of like how you how you trained and how you practice after no, you realized not that at all. because I think, you'd already been dancing yeah i was already working i think the only thing it did was just kind of confirm that the track that I was on of hard work uh, and consistency was going to be even more intensified. Yeah. That's the only thing it confirmed was like, okay, I'm just gonna have to work harder. Uh, also, it did get me to start to mentally prepare more and think more about, or do more research about what it means to be a professional dancer or how to become a professional dancer. Yeah. So I did do more research outside of the physical dance yeah. Okay. Yeah. Did you know like what you wanted to do? Because you know, as the more I've learned about being a professional dancer, you know, mm -hmm. there's so many avenues. Yeah. Um, did you know what avenue you wanted to go down, or was it just I want to be professional and I'll figure it out? Mm -hmm. I think um, when I first started, I think the only thing I knew was 
dancing with artists. I didn't really know any other world because that's the only thing I'd seen at yeah, the time. Yeah, the YouTube so, videos. And yeah, things. and then obviously people I knew. But once, uh, as time passed and a couple of my friends moved to LA, some of them did great. Some of them uh, were still in the pursuit of it. But somebody, some of them were already just in it and killing yeah. it. Seeing those people, I started to realize what more jobs there were. Yeah. Um, but even then, I think I wasn't able to set super specific goals until three years in. Mm -hmm. Three years in, I made a list of dance goals and they were absurd at the time. They were more of dreams, but I, I wrote them as dance goals, right? This is something I, I try to tell people. I don't like when people say it's a dream. I like it more when it's a goal because dream sounds like... Unrealistic. Yes, but if it's a goal, it's something it's, you can actually chase and it's more tangible. It. Yes, yeah. so same thing with people that say uh, if versus when. Yeah. I, I'm a very big proponent of whenever I catch someone saying if, I say, no, it's when. Yeah. Because that manifestation is like a real thing. Yeah. Like even if it's, it, it's very mental, right? If you, even if it's a slight doubt of you saying, oh, I don't know, but if that happens, it would be great. That already shows how much doubt you have in yourself. Mm. But when you say when this happens, you're that much more confident about it and you're going to approach everything more confidently. So did you have to develop that mindset or did you always have, did you realize that you always had mm. that, I, that, okay, when it happens, it will, you know? So that's a great question. This is something that out of a lot of the interviews I've done hasn't been asked, but a lot yes. of my close friends. questions. Let's yes, go. sir. Best podcast ever. <laughs> Especially best dance podcast. Come on. Um, but yeah, I think uh, my close friends know this about me, but I have a very obsessive nature. Mm. So what that means, and I've had this since I was born. So I think this is an innate gift that I have. I don't, it's a gift and a curse. And I'll explain yeah. that. But since I've been a baby, everything that I wanted to do, like a goal of mine, I've never failed. And that's not saying it in a boastful manner. It's more so showing how much is possible with hard work, right? Yeah. I'm a very big proponent of hard work. Uh, like I said, with dance, I don't think I had a natural talent to dance but I worked my butt off, yeah. right? So when I was born, like I said, every single thing, like uh, first thing I remember, I think my parents told me this too, the stories, I was learning English, right? Uh, and Korean at the same time. So English I was learning in, in preschool and this neighbor that I had, I would go hang out with him, he was older than me. I'll come back saying, McDonald's happy meal, number three. That's all I knew how to say, chicken nuggets. Yeah. I'd learn that and then I would go to Korean school. But in Korean school, we had to do these workbooks and learn the alphabet, grammar. Uh, I would come home and I would take the, the book out of my backpack. I would go sit in the corner as soon as I got home and do all my homework for the week in a day. And then I would just study extra. I ended up finishing the whole Korean language by the age of three or four. And then I ended up being in like a high school level class learning Korean. At like five? At like three or four. Bro, you're nuts. Bro, but that's the thing. Like I didn't realize, but... I was very obsessive from that age. Yeah. And then the next thing was music. Um, I would say with violin, it's, I didn't, okay, this is the one thing I didn't really work too hard for, but I think naturally I had this ability to emote through music, which always had got me, you know, first chair, a concert master. Um, basketball, I started super horrible. 
and they're working same thing, six to eight hours a day, every day, weekends, maybe eight to 10, go to YMCA, play basketball outside of my cul-de-sac. I would do that and then I you know, made my basketball team for my school in middle school um, and just so on, like it kind of just kept going from there. Uh, I wanted to get my vertical up to possibly dunk. First time I ever dunked was eighth grade. Dang. I was five, seven. I only grew like two more inches after that, but I got my vertical to like 38. I, I rounded Christ. up to 40, but 38. That damn near is 40, no, no, no. Bro. But like, Jeez. actually though, I would do plyometrics. I learned all these things. I'd research and study how to get my vertical up. And I could never dunk like going up with the ball itself, but if somebody ooped it, I could dunk it. Or yeah. like a smaller ball, like a yeah. ball. But yeah, never able to dunk in a game, but Besides the point, I wanted to learn how to dunk, so I said, I'm gonna get it. So I trained my butt off for months. There's a span where I did six months of training and I only gained like three inches on my vertical, yeah. but that was just enough to get me yeah. to that point. So in that six months, what you say, three months or six months? Six months, in I got three inches months, in six months. Did you, was there any doubt in that or, or frustration? Yes, frustration for sure. I think through all this, I'm very impatient, which is why it makes me work harder. If I can't get something quicker than I want it, which I want to get really good, really fast in everything I do, right? Yeah. But obviously some things take time, or most things do. Yeah. Um, so in my head, I'm like, okay, if it takes a lot of time, how can I make that time shorter? Yeah. I work extra hard, even harder, and work harder for longer periods of time and more consistently. So I made this equation up throughout my career. I think about three years, four years in, I was so frustrated tying it back to dance. I was very frustrated with the fact that I wasn't growing fast enough, right? I wanted to get better. I saw all these people better than me um, that were younger or newer. Yeah. And I was putting my hours in, but there were still people that were naturally just way better than I was. So I got frustrated. And then I also looked at professional dancers I looked up to. And I was like, wow, how did they get so good? Like, I, I know they've been dancing for over a decade. But how are they at this level? How come I'm not even anywhere close? Um, so at that point, I was very in a depressive state. I think it's the first time in maybe one of two times in my life where I felt depression. Yeah. Or I didn't want to get out of bed, miss all my classes, stuff like that. I think what really helped me get out of that was this realization that time was the independent variable. So time was the one thing that you can't change. Yeah. Everything else... Uh, was possible to change. So then I made this equation because I worked really, really hard. Like my, I call it intensity plus frequency plus time equals growth. Yeah. So in order to grow, you need all three of the elements, right? Time is the one thing you can't change, but frequency, how often do you do it, right? Do you do it every day or do you do it once a week? Yeah. Do you do it once a month? Intensity, how hard do you work? How long are those sessions? Yeah. Duration. Um, Intensity I consider with both of those. So if you're working, say, seven hours, but you're only doing it once a week versus you're doing 30 minutes a day for seven days a week. Yeah. That's the difference, right? But if I'm working six hours a day, seven days a week, then I have There's to- no get, way, but yeah. yeah. It's gonna have to speed up the process, right? Yeah. So that's kind of what I was at, but I didn't, I neglected time as the other variable. So I was so upset that I wasn't getting better but then once I realized it takes time, that's when I started to at least give myself a little bit more of a patience yeah. to start learning, okay, I, need, I know I wanna get better, but 
you have to realize it's going to take a lot of time. You have to keep doing this, but it's going to take time. Yeah. So that's kind of like one of the big things that helped me realize it. But yeah, I'll tie it back. I've had that obsessive nature to kind of want to get better since I've been a kid. So dance is just another one of those things. Yeah. You must be a big fan of Kobe, aren't Dude, you? Because bro. that is literally because I remember I saw your I saw yes. your story. Oh no, I think I was you posted something of you dance of you playing basketball, and mm. then I think I saw your post when he passed away. Yeah. Um, that I mean I was so messed up, but bro. I can just tell like the mindset. Yes. Literally the exact. I was Dude. listening to the podcast with him on all the smoke. Yes. With uh, Stephen Jackson and yeah. Matt Barnes literally last night, mm. and just him talking about like okay like they he was saying I was like these dudes don't work that hard like Bro. they're sleeping they're at the club and mm-hmm. I'm in the gym putting shots up and then I was listening to another podcast with Grant Hill and saying when Kobe challenged him to a game of one on one and he was like this dude was so intense at like 10 p.m. on a Friday Bro. and he was like 19 no chill and so it's like to your point like it really just does take time so I'm it's amazing that you have that that mindset so early mm-hmm. like and again because like to me obviously i'm seeing i've seen more of the the finished product not that you're a finished product, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sort of dance but i've seen you at the end mm-hmm. of that journey putting work into me yeah I'm like, i never saw elliot with the you know couldn't really dance that well with stiff because like you're crazy mm, in my you, eyes so it, clearly that work pays off um and you're you know you're a testament to that dude i'm that's crazy that you drew that comparison or that model mentality because growing up Kobe was my superhero you know people look up to Superman Spider-Man firefighters whatever Kobe Bryant was my superhero growing up like and I think similarly uh when I started learning about Kobe's mentality and how hard he worked and the stories obviously I spent hours watching interviews of people talking about Kobe you know to to realize how much he was on it all the time. All the time. That inspires me to work harder because I'm like, oh, I'm not always on it, but Kobe is, yeah. and it's it's crazy. But that man inspired me so much, and it only confirmed even more of the obsessive nature I had. Yeah, and made me work even harder. Even harder. So Dang. you can ask one of my boys. I think one of the few people that have seen my like I would say almost my full journey is Paul Kim. It's my dog. Uh, he joined uh, the same dance team I was in in college. Uh, and when I was leading the team as, a, I think, a junior, I was a choreographer for the team. And I ended up taking him under my wing, teaching him everything I knew about dance. We would go into the studio for four or six hours a day, and we would train everything I knew. I would teach him. I would teach him all the foundational styles I had of popping. And it would just be like same, the same drills every day for hours. We'd sit there doing like chest pops yeah. for maybe 15 minutes. Then we'd do one arm pops for maybe 30 minutes. We yeah. just learned the same thing and we just practiced together. But it was like my training partner. Mm-hmm. So like we were in like the hyperbolic time chamber, you know, <laughs> Dragon Ball reference. Yeah. And we would just train together. And he saw my process of growing and I saw his. So he's actually in Vegas now doing this show called uh, Awakening at the Wind. Okay. So if you are ever in Vegas, go check it out. Okay. But that is one of the few people that have seen me. The full journey. Yes, and I think you can ask him how obsessed I was. And even recently, we kind of had this like message over Instagram and we were talking about how 
he said, I've inspired him and I really showed him what it meant to work hard. Yeah. And the thing is, I think he's one of the hardest workers I know too. Like watching how hard he worked, especially towards the uh, transition when I went into the professional realm, I think I saw how hard he was working and I would say physically he was working harder than me at okay. the time. But that's also when we had discussed and I was, I was trying to teach him that there's a lot of mental growth that had to be done versus just physical. Because people think that dance is all physical or because it is a physical nature, yeah. right? But I, I personally feel like with growth of dance, maybe 50% of it is mental. I what don't think that, 50%, like 100% is dance. What was that mental growth that you needed? Because I feel like it's mm, mm. different for everybody. I mean, there are definitely, I feel like, certain hurdles mentally that we all maybe have to come to. But what yeah. were some of the biggest ones for you that you had to work through? So I think the number one thing, this is crazy because I feel like, I wouldn't say a majority, but maybe over 50% of people that I see in, I mean, especially Atlanta dance community, but anywhere I go, this is like the biggest thing. And it's, I'm gonna, am I, is it okay to curse? Yeah. Okay. I've tried not to curse. I've cursed once so far, but this one I have to because of where I learned it. So I went to LA, my first trip, right? Yeah. I took this contemporary class and her name is Kat Cogliadro, I think. Is it Cogliadro or Cogliandro? But I took this contemporary class. It was insane. Like there was crazy pirouettes in there. Your leg was in the sky. You were rolling on the ground. Obviously, I was only two years into dancing, so I did not know how to do all this stuff, right? As I took this class, I was, you know, invested and I was trying my best. And then, but I was scared because everyone in the room was technically trained dancers. So yeah. Everyone was great. Everyone had this, the leg, everyone could turn. I couldn't. But I was very scared to dance in front of these people. And she stopped the class and said, you guys need to stop giving a fuck what people think about you. And it's the first time I heard someone as a teacher curse. So I was very thrown off. I was yeah. like, oh my, she just used that word. <laughs> and then she started saying, we're judged everywhere we go. You go to the library, you go to, to Dunkin' Donuts, you go to school, you go everywhere you get judged, auditions. But in this classroom, it's, it should be a place where you're not judged because we're here all as a community to learn and to share. So she was really stressing the fact that we need to stop caring what we look like and just to dance. That clicked in my head. And I remember no matter how bad I was, I put all of my emotion into that dance and I cried after it. Dang. I finished dancing and I walked off crying. And I remember that moment for me was huge because it was really early on in my LA trip. I only went for like a month the first time I went. I did maybe a month and a half, but after that class, every class I took after that, I stopped caring what I looked like. I stopped caring what people thought about me. I, I remember one class I took in this corner was like Amanda Grind, Sora Yang, Ade Willis, CJ Salvador, all these crazy dancers that I looked yeah. up to. They were all in this corner and I was right behind them. And I was not nervous for some reason. I think I was starstruck because there are all these people I looked up on YouTube. Yeah. But I remember it was after that class and I just didn't care about messing up, didn't care about what people thought about me. And I think this is something that I've seen in a lot of people. And I, if you're listening and you're one of these people, the earlier you can get over this concept of caring about what people think about you, you will grow so much faster. My growth went from here 
like gradually increasing to like this. Damn. Yeah. I mean, shoot, I'm in that same fucking spot right now. I'll be honest. So I need to hear that. I might run this one back a few times after I post it because I'm definitely in that stage. But it's way that's easier crazy. said than done, though. You know? I, right? It is. But that's. I mean, I think, and that's the thing where I wish we talk about and i feel like we we've started to talk more about it but um just in general but like you said like it's so it's so mental mm. it's unbelievable how much it is but yeah that's an amazing story i think ec also when he went to la mm-hmm. i think he had like not an emotional i'm not gonna say that now but i think he had like an emotional breakthrough yeah, I'll say. yeah. he was doing like i think a foundation like program and he mm-hmm. was like yeah mm-hmm. i cannot do this he said he left and then the whole all the other dancers came out like, yo, like, you'll get it, pick yourself up, and he went back inside, so. Yeah, yeah. Um, shoot, maybe I need, I need to do an L.A. trip and have my emotional breakthrough. Maybe that's what it is. Dude, I mean, yes and no. I feel like the location isn't really yeah, what's going to yeah. do it. It's like the experience, it's right? Yourself, yeah. But it's like, even this thing I just talked about, it's one of those mentalities where until it clicks in you, it's not going to work yeah. because you can hear it from somebody but I've until heard you, I've heard it. I need to, yeah, I need to really like let it, it has sit. To click. So yeah, it, something has to happen in your life where you're like, why do I care? And then once you stop caring, Damn. it's it's rest from there. Damn, it's over. I feel like part of the reason we care so much is because how passionate we are about it. Like we don't mm. want. At least that's I, that's how far I look at it. At yeah, times. yeah, I realized I started caring a lot more when I made the decision for myself that I wanted to be professional. What? So what changed though? I think I put pressure on myself of mm. being of, and then I think, I think I told myself that I, I would take these classes mm. with other more advanced dancers, and that I need to like, okay, you're like not as good up. as them, mm. so you kind of have to like sit back and reserve. So again, to your point, I think That's I need to incorrect, sir. Do not compare. Remember? Don't no, compare. I know. I work on it. No, yeah. it's it's a, it's a hard thing. Like it's it's something that I have to again continuously work through. i think my mm-hmm. mental thing is is i think for me yeah it's more mental than, than physical because sure. like you know you're gonna get better the more you dance mm-hmm. but okay i kind of want to get into some of your your actual professional experiences like what so oh yeah we, we were going to talk about the first gig you did like, oh what was, yeah what was that experience like like when you started getting mm-hmm. these gigs uh-huh. did you were you confident in yourself were you like hey i know i put blood sweat and tears into this mm-hmm. i'm i'm gonna kill it or did you have some doubt of it? Okay, I can't believe I'm here yet or, mm-hmm. or here now. Like, what was that like? So, I think when I was on my first job and even my first few, definitely felt the imposter syndrome for sure. Where mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I don't, I'm so new to dance still. Like, my first professional job was four years into dancing, I think. Which is, you know, amazing and blessed for that moment. But... I, I felt confident that when I was on the job, I was going to work my hardest. Yeah. That's, that's the one thing. I, I was very, obviously, nervous to an extent, but I was very confident in my ability to work hard because, obviously, my whole life, I've been you working hard. Prove that to yourself, yeah. So I think I wasn't stressed about that moment. It was more so who I was in the room with and who was on the job, right? I think that's what... There's a little bit of nerve there, but I was confident that I was going to work hard and I, I don't think I was going to slip up, yeah. you know? So I think all the preparation for that moment paid off there. But it was, the first job was a movie with Kevin Hart and Tiffany Haddish. Wait, was that, um, no way. Night School? Really? Yeah. I saw the movie. Dude, there's like a Where scene. Where are you in it? <laughs> bro, there's this scene. It's the prom dance scene. 
and it was one whole section where it's just my face. Dude, I'm, I'm about to watch the movie tonight. And over here like this, I'm like, uh, I'm like doing that. And I've gotten people from high school that I haven't talked to in 10 years messaging me, oh my gosh, I think I just saw you in night school. Are you in this movie? crazy. And obviously they wait till the credits and they see my name. They're like, oh, you're in this movie. So I still get it to this day. People see it. They're like, oh my gosh, I saw you in this movie. Yeah. So that, it was cool because like, you know, we did this whole dance scene, but they had a moment where just my face is on the screen. Yeah. So I was like, oh, that's cool. Like, that is cool. Everyone knows it's me. Yeah. But uh, that was my first professional job. Uh, shout out to Jeremy Green. That was my, yeah, that was my guy. And yeah, I mean, he has a lot of great stuff coming up. So opportunities for everyone yeah. behind the movement. They have a great opportunities. Yeah, um, but yeah, I would say like the audition process for that which is very interesting. We can also get into, as a segue if you want to, of how to get signed or how to Shit, enter the professional let's, world. Let's, people, I'm sure people, because I would love to know. Okay. So if you have that tidbit, let's talk about it. So this is how I got my first job was, I went to a dance convention and at the convention, there was an audition. I didn't know what it was for. I just kind of was there to train. I'm not at these conventions for, you know, awards, recognition, whatever. Uh, I was just there strictly to train. but. There was an audition and we did this audition. It was a convention, so it wasn't in a studio, it was in a like a gym. And we did this whatever. I didn't know it was for, I just went out, did my best. Um after the whole thing was done, like the rounds, they the, the there was an agency owner there, the mm-hmm. owner of 401. She ended up yeah. saying, Hey, I wanna call this one person out and I want you guys to watch this guy dance, like He's so good. He has this, like, whatever. She hyped me up a lot. And then she said my name, and I said, what? You're like, who? It's me? And then I walked out there, and I was in front of, like, a thousand people. And I did this a solo to that piece that yeah. they did an audition piece for. And I remember walking off there, and everyone was freaking out. Uh, afterwards, she ended up giving me a scholarship. She gave up one, two scholarships, one to one girl, one to me, for a month of free training at 401. Okay. So I was like, oh my gosh, like this is crazy. Never been to Atlanta at this point. And then afterwards she said, uh, if you got to the final or whatever, final cut, and I picked you in this final group, uh, come up to me and I'm gonna give you some information, collect your information, give you info about an audition happening for a movie. Yeah. So then I went over there, I put down my number, my name, whatever, and my email. So then, my phone got stolen that same day Damn. while I was doing this audition and whatever. I was like, oh my gosh, all this great stuff happening. Went back to my bag, phone's gone. The, the call and the audition was happening within a week. So I, I had to have my phone. Yeah. I didn't have my phone. I was trying to find a way to get it. I had to find a replacement. By the time I got it, I didn't even, I felt like I missed it. Yeah. Everyone else heard about the audition. I didn't hear anything about it. So I was freaking out. I was like, wait, where's my email? Where's my phone call? My phone's stolen. I don't have any information. So I had to find out from somebody else that was on that list that I knew for the information. Yeah. So I, somehow I got a replacement phone day before the audition. I drove down to Atlanta, seven hours from where I live, did the audition. And I took class. Uh, I think it was right after or right before it. It was right after. Jeremy Green actually taught the um the class after mm-hmm. and he was actually assisting the audition the audition was freestyle 
Bro. Yeah, where are you at with your freestyle journey at this point? Dude, so, okay, I started dancing just on a dance scene that was like, oh, choreography heavy. I didn't start freestyling until two years in, I would say. Yeah. Um, and then at this point, I mean, I was, I was comfortable enough to, to dance freestyle, but yeah. the freestyle was crazy because they said, they gave directions. The, the choreographer said, uh, I think it was something along the lines of keep it like 90s themed and have fun and keep it groovy. Some people were going crazy doing crazy stuff. I was like, okay, so I'm gonna keep it like house party 90s vibe. So yeah. I was doing like very hip hop, heavy, yeah, like, yeah. you know, whatever, those types of grooves. And I felt stupid, but we did that for 30 seconds. So I like, thank you. And then that was the audition. We didn't learn any choreo. So then I was like, what? And then, but the thing is, everyone felt crazy. We all walked out thinking, what we're, we're not booking it <laughs> yeah so now I, I took jeremy's class you know whatever i think it was one of the first times jeremy had seen me but he called me out with like the charlotte boys some of our homies like danny uh johnny tyler um and then i went home on the way home uh one of the agents texted me and was like hey or called me and said can you send me a headshot of yourself and your email so at that point I, I was like oh maybe it's a good sign maybe not went home I think a couple of days passed and I got the email about booking my first job. Like, congratulations, you booked the movie. I remember I collapsed, like, to look around. Yeah. And I was with, like, a couple of my friends there and I didn't tell anybody at the time. I only told, like, two of my friends there, two of my best friends, and kept it a secret. But that was my first job and how I got it was through scouting. Yeah. So I got scouted at a dance convention um, because an agency was there. They invited me to the audition. I ended up auditioning and booking it, and then from there they signed me uh, next month. Got you. So that goes into the five ways in, for my idea of how you can get signed. Uh, scouting is one, and they can scout you at conventions. Uh, they can scout you during classes. Sometimes they come to a class. Obviously, you know, ours is always watching, so yeah. you never know. Um, so yeah, conventions and classes, wherever, even shows, like a, like a showcase. Agents can be there watching and see someone they really like and hit you up after. So scouting is number one. Another way is through the actual audition. So a lot of agencies have about one audition per year. Some have two, but I think most have one. Uh, that is probably one of the harder ones to get signed on. Yeah. Because there's hundreds to a thousand people auditioning. And the reality is there are seasons, right? What I mean by that is certain seasons, they're looking for certain typecast mm. they might be looking for uh shorter uh white females they might be looking for tall asian males whatever like each season they might have a different typecast that they need more of people yeah and so sometimes you get unlucky sometimes you get lucky but i, I heard of this more so through like new york and la castings like clear they're looking for this sometimes yeah um i think within atlanta I think it doesn't really matter. I think it's just... Talent. Yeah, whoever's dope. But you also, the look is very important. Like, what you look like. Yeah. Your typecast, whatever. That's very important to the entertainment and marketing side of you. So, uh, yeah, auditioning, though, I think it's kind of tough um, because there's so much competition. The season thing. Yeah. I know with Block, they have the typecast part. They start the audition with, like, a walk. You walk for an A count. I think you chill I mean sometimes you freestyle sometimes you just chill you walk back and they do that for everyone in the room and then they cut 90% of the room 
And then they go, okay, now we're gonna learn to dance. So they strictly cut you off of what you look like. Wow. Yeah. You really gotta be comfortable with that. Yes. Damn. So you gotta have what you look like and you gotta own your walk. You have to own your personality. Mm -hmm. And I think that the walk is very important. Following directions, number one. Number two, actually, like I said, like you said, owning it, right? Owning and being confident in your body. Uh, And yeah, exactly who you are. So there, obviously, like I said, uh, auditioning is kind of tough. Number three is submissions. So a lot of these agencies have online submissions. You can email them. They have agents that take their emails. You send them like a real headshot resume. This is also kind of hard to get, you know, because there's so many people that are submitting all over the world all the time. So unless you have something that's so unique and they can't give up on, most likely the submissions aren't as like frequent that they sign people on. Right? Yeah. Um, number four is through referral. So referral is, you know, somebody that's already in the agency, typically a choreographer. Dancers, it's not as strong of a pull, but if it's a working choreographer and they like vouch for you and they're like, yo, I worked with this guy, Steven, this guy's super dope. I worked with them on like four or five jobs, super professional, super dope, you should sign up. Yeah. Boom, the referral happens, you get signed. But you have a meeting set up, it's not, like you don't have to go through a whole audition process. Mm-hmm. So referral, I feel like, is an easier way to get there um, rather than audition. That's where the relationship comes in. Like you got to know people and also be fun to work with. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that, I just had this conversation. People say, oh, why do these people always hire their friends or people that they're close with? If you think about... You want to trust them, yeah. Yeah, tr- on top of trust, it's like if you're doing rehearsals like for two weeks or if you're on a tour for a month or two, you want to be with people that you're friends with, right? Yeah. You don't want to be you want to with enjoy your coworkers. Exactly. It's a job, but you want to have fun with the people you got to yes. be around every day. And that's why it makes sense why they hire their friends, right? Yeah. One, they can do the job, but two, they're fun. Yeah. They're already close with them. So, you know, it's, it's a... It makes sense. Yeah, it yeah. does. So that's number four. Number five is the hardest way, I think, is crashing an audition. So Crashing? Yeah. So a lot of auditions that are closed... Uh, you don't hear about unless you're in the agency, right? Mm -hmm. So what you do is a lot of these calls, uh, they ask you when you get there what your agency is. You have to sign in. It has your name in it, has your agency, and that's how you get into the room. Somehow you you get on, you hear about the audition from somebody that's going. You get there, you somehow sneak your way into the room, get your name on the list. Then you book the job, and then they hit up the agency. They're like, yo... So we saw that you had this, uh, this dancer that works for your, or that's for your agency. We want to book them. They're like, who's that? I don't know this person. But that's then, so wild. Bro, it's happened though. I've heard of it. I respect it, to Dude, be honest. Like, right? That means it's like, yo, you're like, I need to be in the room. Like, yeah. I respect it. Like, you got to be cold though. You have to you be have cold. You have to be cold. You have to be that guy. Because like, if you're not, then like, bro, that is not a good look. Yeah. That's crazy though. So the fact that, you know, you have to book the job on top of sneaking in. Because then once you book it, they're going to be like, no one's going to turn down money. So all the agents are going to be like, yeah, sure, we'll represent him. And then they'll hit you up. Clearly, you got the talent if you got the job. Exactly. So then from there, they're most likely after you do the job, you can just talk to them like, hey, would you mind representing me? They'll be like, sure. So it's just getting to that, you know, it's a little iffy, but... But I mean, I like that there's multiple multiple avenues to do that. So Mm -hmm. I know that, okay, so you, you know, you did the convention and... You guys signed what, 411? Yes. 
when did you is that what inspired you to move here like at what point did you actually end up in Atlanta? Mm, that's a great question too so before i moved la was the goal right because it's yeah, all i knew everybody's goal yes i didn't know atlanta had a real dance industry at the time new york i knew had it but i didn't want to live in new york um but i think after i got the opportunity to work and I, after i got signed i was still in school so long story short my schooling I was so obsessed with dance that I stopped going to class. <laughs> like I put all my all hours, of your focus. Yeah. Like every single moment I was living, breathing, awake, I was dancing. Yeah. So I stopped going to class. So my years of schooling got extended like crazy. I ended up actually like not going to any classes for certain semesters, getting academically suspended, having to reapply, get back in, maybe go to class for a semester, all that stuff. Yeah. Meanwhile, my parents didn't know. That I wasn't in school for a while and then I got signed during the time I was not in school at the time yeah so then I was like oh mom and I did my job uh, in Atlanta came back got signed told my mom yo I got signed to my agency think I'm ready to move down and I was like oh you should finish school right I'm like yeah, yeah totally actually, yeah, yeah, absolutely. yeah yeah so <laughs> I just kind of chilled and was working dancing whatever and then one random day my mom I was just you know messing around in the house I was like, Ellie, can you come upstairs? It's like, yeah, sure. I was just like skipping up the steps, coming to the room. She's in my room. I was like, oh, what's up, mom? She's like, close the door. Oh, no. I was like, oh, no, Damn, no, no. I got caught. Oh, no. And she asked me, are you in school? I was like, what do you mean by what's that? I'm in school. Yeah, what do you mean? And then, you know, she found out I was in school. And at the time, I would expect to get yelled at. I was so scared she was going to yell at me. She was quiet. And it scared it's me even more, more terrifying. You got nothing to say. Yeah, Bro, she was like whispering, and I was like, "Mom, did you say something?" Like I'm scared now. Yeah, because she wasn't saying anything. <laughs> but essentially, she was like, "You need to go back to school and finish." Uh, I know you got this opportunity. She didn't understand at the time what it meant to be signed or, you know, have this opportunity. So, I think she she was like, "You need to finish school." Yeah. And at that time, I was so set on dance that I was like, I don't want to go back to school. I don't see a point in yeah, finishing yeah. school because I'm not going to use it in my career. Yeah. So it took me a little bit, but I reapplied for my mom. Then finally, I, when I got back in, I had to do a year of schooling, but I had to take 21 credit hours. So I had to overload both semesters. Damn. And during that time, I was still traveling down to Atlanta. I would do day trips seven hours down to do a rehearsal or audition, drive seven hours back, sleep two hours and go to school. Yeah. And I would do this through my last year of college, 21 credit hours, and I got all A's. And I, it was crazy because like, I only studied one night per semester. Yeah. Like I would wait till the last minute and I would just read the whole textbook in one night and then I'll go and take the exam. Yeah. So it wasn't like I worked harder. I just tried for one day a year or a semester. And then my mom was so shocked when I when I got on the dean's list and I got all A's. She's like, why didn't you She's do like, this? Why didn't you just do this already? You could have been done. De and I was like, because I didn't want to. Because I was dancing. So yeah, I was yeah, focused I didn't on have something. To, yeah. Also, but real quick, guys, we only allowed um, one 60-minute segment at a time. So yeah, yeah. we're going to have to pause this and then make a new one. Okay.